No You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host, Zach Alboverde. Coming in hot. And Graham Hall. Jumping. Coming smooth. Jumping. And the bass gets jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome into the Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. Zach Alboverde and Graham Hall here to recap Early signing day, or should we just call it National Signing Day now, Graham? That's what it is. It kind of has lost that term early. It's meaningless now. I think the first Wednesday in February is now late signing day. Yeah. We talked last week about how the NCAA Oversight Committee was discussing getting rid of this day because everybody is signing right now if they can. Get in, finalize it before there's any more turnover, before your position coach leaves, before your head coach darts out the door. I mean... There is so much incentive to sign early if you can, and you saw a lot of guys take advantage of that the other day, but we knew that Florida was not going to be like the rest of the pack. They were not looking to sign double-digit commits, and if you look at that list of 100 teams on 24-7 Sports Composite, whatever site you get your recruiting news from, Florida is one of the only teams in the top 80 that does not have double-digit commits here on Thursday, a day after early signing day. So very telling that Florida is kind of going against the grain of what has become this trend to sign as early as you can, which has become that middle of the December week. And it was tough for me because I had to give a grade yesterday for Florida's Uh class to this point. And I think obviously if I was given a grade for Florida State, it would not have been great after that loss uh, to Deion Sanders. But I thought it was a fantastic day for Florida coach Billy Napier and his staff especially considering how the class has changed in the last two weeks, the defections, and the little amount of time that he and his coaches and staff members have had to build relationships really quick with the guys that were deciding on Wednesday. So I think when you put it in context, like it's not obviously an A class. It's not even a B class or a B plus. But I think in the context of it being a transitional year, knowing that he's lost a lot of guys that didn't either fit in or didn't want to be a part of his program and had this time crunch, I think that, for me, is how I have to judge it. I, you can't say he did an average job yesterday or that this the class that he has put together in less than two weeks is average to this point. So I had a tough time putting a C or a C plus. I gave it a B minus. Because we have a small sample size of what he and his staff have been able to do. And it's really promising, I think, for these next seven weeks. And by the time things are all said and done, I I think especially if they get a few more surprises, which we're going to talk about today, that they could work themselves up into the top 25. And ultimately, I think that's the goal, given how low they were ranked when he started. And it was incredibly insightful that he set the expectations the way he did when he arrived in Gainesville. Because, I mean, think of it this way. Say the guy gets to Gainesville, he's got his family in the front row, and then one of the first words out of his mouth is, we're going to sign a top 25 class in two and a half weeks. I mean, people would have been fired up at the time. They would have been super pumped to hear that and say, oh my God, this guy has a plan. He's going to save us. Yeah, he's confident. Right away, too. It's not going to take a while. But no, he came in and said, listen, some of you are going to be frustrated with me. Because we might not sign anybody. We might not sign anybody. There may be a few that are going to want to hop in here at the last minute. And I think that, Zach, is the most telling part of his statement. It's not the whole few part. It's that 
they knew that there were guys out there who were keen on signing with Florida. They just hadn't identified which ones they wanted yet. Yep. And even if there were a lot of guys that were committed, they knew that there were a lot of guys that pretty soon were not going to be committed to the program because they had yet to evaluate whether they wanted them. And ultimately, as we saw, they did keep several guys that had committed to Dan Mullen's class. They evaluated their tape, got to know those guys over the past couple of weeks, talked to their family members and realized, listen, we do want these guys as well. But the other thing that they did, which we didn't really realize behind the scenes, was they were figuring out what relationships Florida had built over the past couple of years for guys that were not yet committed, but could still be committed if they were to give them that final push. Yep. And as we saw on Wednesday, guys like Kamari Wilson, guys like Shamar James, who wanted to be Gators from the jump, those guys, they just needed to be re-recruited by Billy Napier's staff. And I think reassured. Reassured, absolutely. That's a much better word for it. And I think once he, he did that, you saw those guys were, I don't want to say easily attainable, but they were there for the taking. They were there for the taking, and Florida is a school that should be able to land guys like that consistently, and that's what Napier did. So even amid lower expectations, I thought he overachieved, and that's why you're able to sit here and say, hey, that's a, it's an above-average class for a lot of people. And a couple weeks ago, many people were sitting here being like, hey, listen, Billy fix us, and because he came up and was transparent about it, no one, or at least no one really rational, was sitting there being like, oh, we're going to compete with the likes of Georgia, Alabama, Today, more and, people are patient. And I think when he said, there might be a few that want to jump in here late, I don't think Florida fans thought that that few would be Kamari Wilson. Five-star guys. Shamar James, Devin Moore. I mean, those were the few, the three that they added on National Signing Day. And then you add Christian Williams as well, who flipped from Louisiana those were the additions that he's brought to this class along with the guys that stayed committed. Now, I thought it was very interesting how he pointed out on Wednesday that of the nine guys that they signed, Christian Williams was the only one that he had a relationship with prior to Thanksgiving. So he and his staff at Louisiana didn't recruit any of these guys, as you would expect. So really quick turnaround But to be able to address, I think, the secondary with the additions of Moore and Wilson, to address the line of scrimmage with the guys that they added on the offensive line and the defensive line, specifically McClellan, and keeping him from switching to in-state Oklahoma after a late push there from the Sooners. And I think, honestly, too, Jaden Gibson and Nick Evers going there. You had to think that they were probably in his ear a little bit trying to get him to stay close to home. So the fact that they were able to keep him in the class, remember this is the guy that committed when there was no head coach in place. So he must have really liked Florida, and I think that that proved to be the point with the final decision that he made. But we'll kind of jump to this first break and and break down the nine signees and how they fit into this class and fit into this roster. But Graham, I think overall this day couldn't have gone much better for Florida, maybe except flipping a Georgia commit or two. And they also got to laugh at Florida State. You mentioned yeah. that in the opening, but if Florida State, who you just beat without a head coach, goes out there and lands the top recruit in the nation, I mean, that stings no matter what. Because that's a reminder that the programs in this area should be able to still recruit regardless of whether that product on the field is just middle of the pack or not. You should be able to have the resources and land those kids who grew up idolizing players who played for your university and who you've propped up over the last couple of years. And to see a rival 
do that, I just think would have been very difficult to stomach for Florida fans. Amid the patient approach, it's hard to take that when you still see your rival have success. And so for that to happen to FSU in the fashion that it did, I think really that took a lot of the sting off. Because, Zach, I know you were up early, as was I, at 7.30. There were some FSU fans making some jokes that early about Florida's class and how how empty it seemed and how the Knolls were about to clean up and have the top recruiting class in the state. And a couple hours later, they're not laughing so much anymore. And that's why we tune in no matter what day it is. The first signing day that happens on the recruiting calendar is a monumental one, an exciting one. It's a movie. And I was enthralled by everything that was happening on Wednesday. It was not a boring Wednesday whatsoever. And if you were a fan of the Seminoles, it was a pretty disappointing one for you. And I think Florida fans can gloat about that a little bit because not only do they get a win on the field against FSU, but when this thing is all said and done in February and when you factor in transfers and all that, I think Florida fans have a really good chance of looking at their recruiting class as a much better one than FSU's right now because they're not sitting there looking at the number one prospect inking for their team. Yeah, and I think Florida fans can always appreciate any time that they get a guy that announces publicly on national television. And I think that when you can have that on the early signing day, on national signing day, or late signing day, however you want to phrase it, I think that that's always just good for the type of pub that you need for the program and certainly for a first-year head coach. So we're going to jump to this first break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to go through these nine early signees, talk about what they bring to the program and how the Gators were able to land them. And then the final segment, we'll talk about some new additions to Billy Napier's coaching staff. We'll be right back after this break. This is Gainesville Sun Sports Editor Arnold Feliciano. Please support our coverage of University of Florida Athletics by subscribing to the Gainesville Sun or Gatorsports.com. It's easy. Just go to www.gainesville.com slash subscribe now. Thank you for your support. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant, and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Pod. Zach and Graham here. And as we've mentioned, Florida signed nine guys on Wednesday. And depending on what site you look at, it definitely moved them up with some of the additions that they got on Wednesday. And I think for on three, they moved all the way up to number 30 in their team rankings. I think for 24-7 sports, they're still in like the 40s. So they got a ways to work up. But this class is far from done. There's a lot of room left, a lot of scholarships that, that – Billy Napier and his staff can offer. But I think first and foremost, what they have now and what they signed 
to kind of be the cornerstone of this class are some really good additions. I mentioned addressing the secondary and addressing the line of scrimmage. You look at David Connor, their offensive tackle who had been committed and decided to stick. Uh, We mentioned Christian Williams who flipped from Louisiana And then they also have a third offensive line commit who did not sign on Wednesday, Jalen Farmer, scheduled to visit in January. But there's three guys right there that they kind of have to already count on for 2022 and and potentially add a a couple more pieces along that offensive line. Now, one guy that they signed that we found out from Billy Napier is not really considered as an offensive line prospect, even though he's been rated as one. That's Tony Livingston out of Tampa. He's a guy that's actually – lost some weight because he's focused on basketball his senior year is supposed to potentially be a walk-on on the hoops team here at UF but he's a guy that's coming in looking to play tight end certainly going to be a, a bigger body there and going to provide you with some blocking and then on the defensive line we mentioned McClellan they were able to keep him from switching to Oklahoma and then they got certainly Shamar James, a top 100 linebacker out of Alabama, a guy that had listed Georgia and Alabama as his finalist just last week. Florida wasn't even in consideration, but the former Gators commit decides in the 11th hour that he wanted to go with his initial decision, and that was a really big get for this staff. And then in the secondary, certainly adding Devin Moore, adding Kamari Wilson, and then addressing uh, their special teams with kicker Trey Smack, who's the perfect name for a kicker. Are you kidding me? Trey Smack. So I, I really like what they were able to kind of start off with, and certainly a-, a lot more pieces that they need to add at the skill positions. They've got a lot of receivers and running backs on the board, and certainly some more guys that they could add at the linebacker spot as well. But all in all, Graham, what do you like so far, obviously, other than the new additions that were added Wednesday in terms of where this class is at right now? I got to say the offensive line, that's a huge piece. Obviously, if you watched Florida last season, they have no shortage of depth that they need to build. A lot of young guys, 30-year players, started on that unit this year. And while I thought they looked good, it's clear that they're going to need to bolster that unit moving forward. And you already saw Napier, extremely wise, I thought, decide upon arriving in Gainesville that he was going to prioritize that offensive line position by having two coaches there because he was going to call plays and although we don't know one of them we know that the other one is Darnell Stapleton who is a name that I think a lot of these guys that holds some weight with being a Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2009 being only 36 years old a a guy that um, extremely highly regarded for rising in the profession just can relate to these guys I think better than John Hevesy can and I think that really reassured guys like Connor Uh, And Tony Livingston, another in-state guy who wants to be an early enrollee and was looking to get reassured here early because he had been committed so far in the process. And and I think that's another big part of the picture that we haven't really talked about is a lot of these guys who signed early, they planned on enrolling early, which means they had to make a decision early. And and Florida was the program that I think a lot of these guys sent so much interest in throughout the process that they weren't going to get a better feeling from really anywhere else or feel more reassured about the decision with the time left to do that. And I think the Florida staff took advantage of that with some of these guys here. The other ones, the defensive backs, that one, that has a chance to be huge for me. Um, I know that from what we've heard about Patrick Toney, he kind of likes lanky corners, taller guys. I mean, you look at some of these guys, six foot three, 200 pounds. I mean, it's going to be tough playing defensive back in the SEC. 
And I, and I will say Devin Moore is listed as a safety, but clearly hearing from Napier yesterday, they, they like him at cornerback. Yeah, he could be another tall corner for this team here and a guy that obviously you got to see what happens when, when hockey gets a hold of him in the weight room. But this is a guy that, you know... And it is hockey, not hockey. I'm glad we got that correction because, you know, I was a little bit... What a name also. Better name than we thought. Yeah. Underrated. But you look at what they like out of the corner position, I could absolutely see why some people look at these guys and say, are, are they tweeners at their position? Where are they going to fit in on the field here? But you can clearly already tell that these guys are going to be used to fit the scheme that Tony is bringing here to Gainesville. And so I think that you can look at just those right away, the defensive backs and the offensive line, and say, okay, these are a sign of a guy already implementing his plan here at Gainesville. And one guy that I forgot to mention running through the list was Jamari Lyons, four-star defensive tackle, and one of the, the few four-stars in this class for the Gators. And I think being able to keep him committed, keep McClellan committed, and sign those guys without being able to tell them who their position coach is going to be. I think that speaks volumes to Napier and his staff, the belief that these two defensive linemen had and and what his plan is. And certainly I think that there's been some talks about guys coming over from the NFL potentially to coach Florida's defensive line. And if that's something that they could sell them on and and make them feel good about the situation, then so be it. But, I mean, those guys never really wavered. I think certainly McClellan gave Oklahoma a good look, but – Despite them being close to home, despite two guys that he was committed to Florida with and Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson joining the Sooners, he decided to stick with Florida, still not even knowing who his position coach is going to be. So I think that was a very big recruiting win. Maybe Lions, not as much because he's in-state. So for him to to stick with the Gators makes a lot more sense. So I think certainly they're not done yet when they do add their defensive line coaches they're going to be able, I think, certainly get some guys on the edge, get some ed, edge rushers into this class, and I think they're not done in the secondary as well. But I give Billy Napier some credit, man. One thing that really impressed me with his uh, press conference on Wednesday is that he opened with basically giving credit to everybody but him for the signing of this class. Uh, everyone that was involved from the UAA pilots to – people that are involved with hosting these recruits once they get to campus for official visits. And then he even took time to thank the previous coaches and the previous recruiting personnel and everyone that was basically on staff under Mullen's organization that put in years of work recruiting some of these guys that signed on Wednesday, including the ones that weren't committed. Uh, You look at a guy like Jamar Chaney, who we'll talk about in the next segment, he was the first one that offered – Kamari Wilson a scholarship when he was in high school so that's something him joining the staff they were able to lean on that relationship and and certainly other guys as well so I I thought that that was very classy of Billy Napier to give those coaches and those staff members credit for the work that they put in to get to Wednesday. It's another sign of how genuine of a person Napier is that he understands that this is not this is not someone he's not someone who deserves all the credit let's say it that way and Having that as the first words out of his mouth, I think, is extremely telling because he could have said it at the end. He could have propped up the kids. He could have taken a 18 to 22 year old. Yeah, he didn't even talk about the kids, really. I mean, yeah, you know, because the the jury's out. Let's be honest. I mean, putting the pressure or discussing expectations for any of these signees before they've stepped on campus is kind of like what Lane Kiffin calls rat poison. It's just, it's harmful. I mean, I think back to Jamarcus Weston being discussed as you know a guy that's going to 
outlive, you know, out exceed the recruiting rankings, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, the evaluation process, they thought he was better. And they mentioned that from the jump, Dan Mullen did. And that is still discussed. So I thought it was also wise that Napier didn't put any of the focus on what they thought they could get out of these kids on the field, these young men. It was all about the process that led him here, the the hard work that happened before Napier got here, giving credit to the graphics team. Shout out Kev. I mean, I thought all that stuff was incredibly wise of Billy to do because he's going to get more than enough credit over the years. There's going to be enough people propping up Billy Napier. Well, they were doing it yesterday. And they're, they're going to do it every single day for times that he's not deserving of it. And I think he knows that. But they're not going to praise the hospitality team. He isn't going to have a chance to shout out the graphics team who has had to kind of shift their focus coming out of a season to recruiting with new bosses and new personnel alongside them. You have to, as a head coach, take these moments to prop up the people around you if you want to be successful. And seeing that he understands that already at just 42 years old just has to make, I think, fans, administration, feel really good about the direction that the program is under, even though they haven't played a game He's saying all the right things, doing all the right things away from the field in recruiting, talking about recruiting, how much he loves doing it, middle of the season. That's the stuff that I think fans and administration want to hear right now. And that's clearly going to work with recruits. Because when you're a genuine person like that and you sit down in a room with someone who's already been sold something repeatedly over and over and over again and you have to find some way to make it seem fresh, one of the only ways to do that is to be genuine. Because... People can tell that. And so I thought it was really telling when he talked about meeting Kamari Wilson's mom and referenced talking to her in a Sam's Club, humanized the experience, reassuring a parent about to send their kid away to college, and you just did it wherever you were, right then and there. I don't think Dan Mullen was going to Sam's. I don't think so. I think that they were using Instacart. (laughs) But I think that Napier being willing to talk about that humanizing himself like that and showing that he's just eager to talk about his approach and his plan to a parent that maybe is willing to listen. That has to give you a lot of hope for fans, administration, that the thing is going to get turned around here under Napier before he's ever even played a game. And as Napier mentioned on Wednesday, he's not just recruiting guys to join his class, but he's recruiting coaches to join his staff. And we've already seen some of that come together. We talked last week about Corey Raymond. We're going to jump to this break and we'll come back on the other side and discuss the new receivers coach as well as the impact of Jamar Chaney coming back to UF. We'll be right back after this break. USA Today's Florida Sports Network covers the Sunshine State better than anyone else. We have reporters and columnists covering Florida, Florida State, and Miami, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Bucks. Like NASCAR, we've got you covered. We also provide the most comprehensive high school coverage available, and so much more. In fact, we have 17 news sites that encompass the state. Hi, I'm Tim Walters, host of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. 
Each week, this podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. From Pensacola to Jacksonville, to Palm Beach to Naples, and all points in between, we've got you covered. The State of Florida Sports Podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on any of our state news sites. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Pod. Zach and Graham here. And we've already mentioned Jamar Chaney on this pod. And I think that his hiring last week, returning back to UF as an analyst after being here as a recruiting staffer, certainly great for him and his coaching career as he attempts to move up. And he's eventually going to be a coach one day, uh, I think probably in in the next few years. But that recruiting role that he had really served Florida well once he came back because he was able to step in and and go back to that relationship that he had with Kamari Wilson. Now, both of these guys are from Fort Pierce. So even though Kamari Wilson is at IMG Academy, which we'll talk about, he's from Fort Pierce. And he was able to lean on that relationship and that connection with Jamar Chaney, who I was told grew up in the same neighborhood as his mother. And I was also told that I don't think his mother would have sent him to Florida if Jamar Chaney had not been there. And that is why Napier went out of his way to give Chaney credit, I think, for that recruitment on Wednesday. So he was very big. I think certainly having Corey Raymond and Patrick Tony kind of double teaming there, recruiting him as secondary coaches, I think that was big. But as Napier mentioned, he had a connection with Kamari as well. And they just really hit it off from the jump. I think they see things very similarly. And this was by far the biggest get for the Gators. I know Shamar James was kind of unexpected because he had eliminated Florida and he had in-state Alabama and Georgia recruiting him. But Kamari Wilson is a big deal for several reasons. But shout out to Cheney for the impact that he's already provided here returning to the program. I knew that it would be wise to have a familiar face back here that would help the transition between coaching staffs. Like a Vernell Brown. Yeah, and I thought that Vernell was going to be kind of the guy that did that. We thought maybe that Christian Robinson would be used in the transition to ease that process for players and which for he was. Napier, which which he was initial, used initially like that. But it's looking like Jamar Chaney is going to serve that role in spring, certainly here, and using a guy like that who already had a relationship with a valuable recruit that you had a chance of getting. That part is, I think, the most important because this is not like Kamari Wilson had no interest in Florida prior to Jamar Chaney getting here. Kamari Wilson wanted to come to Florida. He couldn't get the okay from his mom. He couldn't get the okay from his mom because she saw what was happening in Gainesville and wasn't going to send him to a situation like that where he could go to Georgia. We could go to Georgia or, you know, Alabama was in his ear for a long time before it became the dogs as the primary leader for him. But he always wanted to go to Florida. The powers that be, the people around him who were advising him were telling him that was not the best decision for you. They're going through a coaching change. There's Dan Mullen. They just fired the DB and the safeties coach last year. There's some turbulence there. You have a better option. But now you bring in Jamar Chaney, which we've talked about having relationships with recruits. When you make a coaching change, you have to figure out who has the best relationships right now to retain, at least even in the short term there. And having a coach that understands how to find those and seek those out 
is incredibly important to have. Yeah. And they didn't just hire him because of that. Obviously, he comes he came to coach and being a former SEC linebacker and a guy that's already been serving in that role at Mississippi State, he's going to I think provide his most impact from that standpoint. That was just kind of a luxury. It's kind that of a got. yeah, like a like a topper in a sense yes. here, like a bonus. Yeah, you didn't think that this guy. Because you also can't make hirings based off decisions like that. Because the transfer portal, one of those guys can leave. Or if you get a new job, they're gone. So head coaches can't be sitting here thinking like, hey, if I hire this guy, this guy is going to come on my roster. Because that creates a whole difficult situation, especially for the other 84 guys who are on scholarship on your team. So that was just something that they realized when they wanted to add this guy to the staff. Hey, we have a chance to also go out now and get a guy who's a five-star, wanted to be here anyway. Let's seal the deal. And they did. And I think by sealing that deal, they ended the IMG Academy curse, which I asked Billy Napier about on Wednesday. He didn't seem too amused, uh, but Florida fans absolutely ecstatic about Kamari Wilson's addition because he's the first five-star recruit to join the Florida football program since IMG Academy became a school, or should I say fielded a football team in 2013. Now, there has been one guy that they did sign that is counted as being an IMG Academy guy, and that's Kamar Wilcoxon. But for folks that remember his recruitment, he did relocate to Georgia his final year before he reclassified and enrolled at Florida. So, I mean, you can count him if you want, but even if you do, you're talking about a top 250 guy, I think, not a five-star. And we know at IMG Academy, there is multiple five-stars on their roster every single year. So, the fact that a decade has gone by, literally 10 recruiting classes, and Florida hadn't signed any five stars until this year, this is big. And it took all of less than two weeks for Billy Napier and his staff to end a 10-year recruiting drought in terms of signing guys of that caliber. And as he mentioned, look, that's a great program, great facilities, and that's a place we want to keep doing business, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to. Just to get that off their backs I think is huge because you could use that as like a scapegoat for so many years when you strike out of the five stars and be like well you know we can't get guys from there anyway and it makes you feel better about yourself for striking out in a school that's literally in your backyard but I mean I gotta tell you there are Florida ADs in that building that believe something nefarious has been going on with IMG Academy showing favoritism to the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, the Miamis. They believe that Florida has been shut out as if they've conspired against Florida from getting any of the kids that come to this school to be developed into Division One prospects. Florida has been convinced of that. So even just having this curse lifted, this this streak broken, I think is going to be huge for dissuading a lot of people with power that there was something that they just could not overcome with one of the top institutions for prep players in the country, not just the state, but in the country. I mean, if you operate under the mentality that, hey, we can't even get those guys if we tried, I mean, you're failing before you even attempt to do it. So Florida, just in their recruiting plan moving forward, no longer thinking that they have a disadvantage when they go into IMG Academy, I think will be huge for Napier and the fact that he got it off his back right away rather than having to wait a class or two, did it in, what, 10 days, is just massive moving forward because then you can now, if you put Kamari Wilson, you put one of these guys in a position to be successful, you now can then return and say, listen, we have success, immediate success, 
and we're building a stable program. Why not us right now? When over the last decade, people were saying, why Florida if they were IMG Academy? Now, in addition to Jamar Cheney, there's been several other staff hires that have been announced in the past week personnel assistants, a lot of different titles, but there has been another assistant coach that was announced and it was kind of lost in the news on Wednesday, but nonetheless, a very, very big deal. And that was Florida hiring former NFL wide receiver, Kerry Colbert as its receivers coach. This guy is a former assistant at USC his alma mater, where he spent the past six seasons coaching the receivers there. This is a guy that was also a former staffer at Alabama, where he worked with Billy Napier, so there's the connection. But getting a guy, Graham, that has the resume, that has coached some very, very impressive receivers with the Trojans, he was impressive in his own right there at USC, had a very successful NFL career as well and being a second-round pick in the 2004 NFL Draft. But I think he kind of also falls into the Corey Raymond category where you went yes. and got a guy that was coaching at his alma mater that was so critical to that program and also to the recruiting in that state. And to be able to tap into that and take advantage of a coaching change at his school, like what Raymond went through with LSU, and add him to your staff, there's so many benefits from that. And I think we know that there's going to be an emphasis placed on the state of Florida. Billy Napier said that. That just has to be the case, point blank period, when it comes to recruiting. But you want to be able to tap into the other footprints in the SEC and maybe even nationally. And I think we know that Florida's going to be able to recruit Louisiana. They're going to be able to make some noise in Texas with some of the guys that they've added. Now getting Kerry Colbert, you're able to recruit the state of California and some of those prospects that you're going to be able to sign will probably be few and far between, but having a guy that's that well-respected, that well-known, is going to help you get into some of those living rooms that otherwise you probably would not have been able to. I was a little bit surprised that this name flew under the radar like it did because I think this is a huge hire. One of the biggest ones that he's made so far. If this had been announced at 7.30 in the morning like Dillingham heading from FSU to Oregon, I think it would have got a whole lot of buzz for being a big, big piece of earth-shaking news to begin early signing day. I mean, not just like Raymond for a guy who coached at the program, but they played there, too. I mean, Colbert, a former wide receiver at USC. Raymond was with the Tigers, as we know. This is a guy that just brings a whole incredible pedigree and recently has developed a whole lot of receivers that a lot of people know. Juju, Michael Pittman. To get him away from Southern California is a monumental coup, in my opinion. My only, only area of concern is, and I brought this up last week, is when you rely on coaches who have previously established relationships and when you hire someone from California, you may see a push into California for prospects who are up there in Oregon, Wisconsin, you name it, all across the West Coast that you don't normally see guys be recruited to come to Florida for. So how Colbert adjusts his recruiting approach once he gets to Gainesville is going to be extremely interesting to me because, as you said, Billy Napier has prioritized the state of Florida. He has discussed the talent acquisition business. I think yesterday he said there's 300 Division I players from the state of Florida, and we need to go find those, flip over rocks and, and find the ones that are going to come here. You have so much talent here. 
can Colbert's success on the recruiting trail be you know, a seamless transition when you take him from California and put him in Florida? That remains to be seen, but there's no doubt this is an incredibly impressive hire on paper and a name that a lot of people know. I mean, Zach, I'm a Panthers fan. <laughs> he played for them in 2004, 2005, when I was in middle school with Jake DeLome, when they were going to the Super Bowl. This is someone that even me, I have memories of this guy, and, and now we get to cover him, and there's going to be players who are going to be recruited by him all throughout the state of Florida and beyond now. And I think anytime you can add guys to your staff that have played in the NFL and have had legit NFL careers, I mean, how can you not sell that to recruits for them to be able to come and learn from guys like that? So it's very big. I like the way that this staff is coming together. Still some more pieces to add. Some guys I think are going to come over from the NFL, which is not going to happen until the regular season is over. So this thing is not close to being complete, nor is Florida's 2022 class, but off to a good start with the early signing period, some surprises on Wednesday, and some cornerstones that I think that they could build for the foundation of uh, Billy Napier's program. So that'll do it, not only for this month, but this year. It's been a fun year in 2021, following Florida athletics, certainly following the football season, and now recruiting. Graham and I are going to step away for the rest of the month, enjoy our families, enjoy some holiday festivities. You got some presents already wrapped, Graham? I got to do all my shopping, man. I am slacking. This season has been so crazy. I know you know it. We have hardly had a chance to breathe, and now I got to find out if I can overnight all my presents here. Well, the, thankfully, I got a wife, and she's got all of our presents bought already, and they're all stacked up in a corner, and I didn't have to do anything. Carry the team. Yes, yes, like I always do. Let's go. So for everyone, appreciate you guys listening this year and this season. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Alpaverde.